Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast, located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we are a community striving to be faithfully present to God, self, and others. We hope this is an encouragement to you in your life, no matter where you are. Thanks for joining us. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. No many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread, and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And then all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to see all of you. It is cold today. My gosh. Or at least I can't get warm. It is cold, isn't it? Okay, so... Um, this morning, I just want to begin by way of just saying I'm here uh, to receive the gospel as much as I am here to proclaim the gospel to you. Um, I've shared with my wife, my, my uh, counselor. My wife is not my counselor. My wife and my counselor. My wife is my boss. That's probably more. Um, I, over the last couple of years, and I shared this, I think I shared it with our staff, um, I, in 2019, um, was handed two very heavy suitcases. Um, this is the metaphor that's been helpful for me. Uh, and I haven't been able to drop them until about 90 days ago. So throughout 2019 was a very challenging year that I haven't shared anything about with anybody here. Um, 2019 was a very hard year. And then uh, 2020 showed up (laughs) and got us again, didn't it? And uh, so for me personally, as a pastor, uh, it's felt like I've had to, I've carried these very heavy suitcases all the way across like the Dallas airport. Have you ever walked the Dallas airport? (laughs) It's like... There you go. Thank you. It is the worst. Everything in Texas. <laughs> Gosh. Have you 
seen a Target in Texas? Okay, my ADD is off. But oh my gosh, it's like bigger than our whole city. Anyway, but I've been carrying these heavy suitcases for a few years now. And throughout the pandemic, everything I felt like I did as a leader was completely right and completely wrong. Anybody join me in 2020? Every time I opened my mouth, my inbox filled up. All the time. And so, but you're a pastor. You've got the red phone on your desk to God, right? So answer, give us answers. Give us wisdom, leadership, guidance, direction. Give it, be the guy, will you? And um, all I knew how to do was just keep trying to be present to God, to myself, and to others. And I, and I did those things, and by his mercy. Uh, but about 90 days ago or so, I realized my arms are really, really, really hurting. And so I just dropped the suitcases, and I've been telling God, and I've been telling my spiritual director, my arms hurt. So I'm here to receive the gospel as much as I am here to give the gospel to you today. I am just as desperate for Jesus as anybody in this room can be. And um, so we're going to do some things a little, I, I'm going to need a lot of help today from all of you, okay? So what that means is the word liturgy means the work of the people, and this is going to be a pretty participatory time together. So, all right, here we go. Here we go. We can do this. <laughs> so, to begin by way of introduction, Mark, if you can help us with the first slide, I just want to sum up where we were last week, comparing Jesus and Herod, and their, okay, right? Remember, you remember, we taught John the baptizer, divorce, whoa, lost his head for it. Okay, when you compare Herod and Jesus, now look at what you see going on here. In Herod's banquet, it's in a palace. And in Jesus's, he's out in the open air. For Herod, it was for the elite. For Jesus, it's for the commoner. For Herod, his birthday party was to bolster position, if you remember who all is there. For Jesus, he's there to meet the needs of the people. For Herod, he's there in self-serving posture. Jesus himself, he's there. He's compassionate. He's self-denying, sacrificial. In Herod's banquet, there is a death. And of course, Jesus' banquet, everyone ends and is fed, ends in life. So to make an abrupt change and shift gears, there's a, um, there was a, a saint in the Catholic Church, Ignatius of Loyola from Spain. And in the 1550s, he had an incredible model of going about teaching people that he was discipling on how to immerse themselves in the world of Scripture, primarily using their five senses. In fact, everybody that he apprenticed under Loyola, um, Ignatius, um, had the Gospels completely memorized because they were able to just pull from their actual feeling, what they could see and taste and touch and smell. They immersed themselves creatively imaginatively in the world of the text. In 2006, I was in 
Oxford and I picked up a book off a table that was so life-changing for me, and you might like it too. It's called The Lost Art of Meditation by an Australian uh, scholar. Her name is Sheila Pritchard. And this was so, it wasn't, it's not highbrow academia. It's just how to meditate through scripture. And this is what she says in her book about Ignatius. Ignatius suggests that after a first reading of the particular story, what Jeremiah just did for us, we then go back over it, deliberately asking, if I were there, what would I hear? What would I see? What would I smell? What would I taste? What would I feel? It's more a decision to take a sensate look at the story and let all the senses combine as they draw you in. So that's exactly what we're going to do together today, here, now, collectively, verbally, yes, verbally, creatively, imaginatively, as a congregation. And so yes, I've I've studied the text, I'm clear on the historical context, Greek, the theology going on, and I'll guide us, but my hope is that we could do all of this together, okay? So you're going to ask yourself, or I'll be asking you, what do you see, hear, taste, touch, smell? And so this is your opportunity to immerse yourself in the world of the scripture, in Jesus's most famous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. It shows up in all four gospels. And so today, you are one of the disciples, okay? You're like, maybe, maybe you're lucky number 13. Like, you get to just tag along. And so I am going to read the scripture. In fact, if you have a Bible there in the pew, those little hardback Bibles, can somebody open up to Mark chapter 6 real quick? For all of you, open up to Mark 6. Um, and when you have it, here you go, babe. That's a hymnal. <laughs> there you go. When you have it, somebody tell me what page it's on, Mark 6. 7.12 or 7.48? Okay. All right. 7.48. We're in Mark chapter 6, and I'm just going to read the text with you, and I'm just going to pause and ask you to just participate, to talk out loud with me, okay? All right. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. Let's pause. Now, we know that Jesus had sent the disciples out to heal, to cast out demons, and to teach the good news, right? And so they've done that. They're returning now to Jesus. They were successful, by the way. (laughs) Um, They returned to Jesus, and they begin to give Jesus an update on all that they had done and taught. So have you ever spent a day in the life of a minister, of a pastor, of a servant in the church at some capacity? Maybe at Mary's place, Aurora Commons, maybe a, a mission trip to, a, to, to some other country maybe. Um, have you spent a day maybe working in kids' men? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what has that been like? What's it like to finish a day of ministry? Maybe some of you have led worship in churches or Bible studies. What's it like? Somebody fill in the blank. I dare you talk in church. Go. Tired? (laughs) Amen. Heavy suitcases? (laughs) Yeah. Anybody else? Overwhelming? That's a big word. Did I fail? Mm. 
boy. Weight of responsibility. Jesus, help us. <laughs> yeah. Daunting. Joyous. Joyous. You're feeling good. Pa- of course, Pastor Ben. <laughs> I'm just playing. He knows he nailed it. He knows. He knows. I told him to say it. I'm just kidding. What else? Invigorating. Yeah. Jeremy, you grew up in a pastor's home. Yeah. Tiring, that's what you'd say too? Yeah. <laughs> As a preacher's kid, oh my gosh. Nobody's more tired than a pastor's kid, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Encouraged. Encouraged. They were successful. Yeah. Humbling. Humbling. Engaged. How so? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, ministry can be tough. It can be encouraging. It can be a mix of all that. Schoenbergs, you guys were in India. You had different days, didn't you? Thankful. Yeah. Yeah, so they return to Jesus and they give him the update. Here's all that we did. Here's all that we've taught. Okay, verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Oh, thank God. (laughs) How would you feel? Jesus wants to get out of the city. He wants to get away from everybody. He wants to go to a desolate place. What's that feel like? How do you hear that when he gives you that invitation? Hmm? Yes. Yes. (laughs) What are you looking forward to? Quiet. Quiet. Mm -hmm. Restoration. Restoration. Hmm. Did you hear that whistle? (laughs) Restoration. Yeah. Confused. Yeah. How so? Yeah. Why will we retreat? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a little confusing. Yeah. Desolate. What is it? Exhale. It's a good word. Permission to be human. Yeah, we're not ministry machines, are we? Are we? FOMO. Sorry? FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> FOMO. What a great word. <laughs> it's not Greek, is it? Oh. Take off your work uniform. Yeah. Desolate place. Rest a while. For many were coming and going. And they had no leisure even to eat. Uh Uh-oh. Who here gets hangry? 
like real hangry. Okay, all of us get pretty moody. Kirk, for sure. They're pointing at you. <laughs> I've seen it. I, 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 I testify with your friends. Yeah, yeah. Many were coming and going. No leisure even to eat. So not only are they serving everybody, now they're hungry too. You work through lunch ever? Go home a little moody? <laughs> I mean, it was such a big deal that they wrote it down in the Word of God forever. <laughs> they were hungry. No leisure to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Okay, so now we get in a boat. Who are we going to have row? Me? <laughs> I thought you were pointing at me. Oh, Mark. Mark can row. Mark loves to paddle. There you go. Okay, so when they get in the lake, what do you hear? What do you smell? Like, what's around? What's, what do you feel? What is it? Mud, like getting in the lake, yeah. Optimism. <laughs> We're on our way, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you here? Water lapping against the side of the boat? Maybe birds flying overhead? <laughs> Your grumbling stomach, you know? Now many saw them going and recognized them. We know how many, because we just heard the passage read. So many saw them going and recognized them. Oh, there's Jesus. There's those disciples. They can heal people, drive out demons. They can work miracles. There they are, and they're right there in the middle of the lake. <laughs> so we can't turn around and go anywhere. We're spotted. They are. And so it says, and they ran there ahead of them from all the towns. So they get, a, they get ahead. They're going to meet us on the other side of the lake. How are you feeling about this? Scary. Scary? Dread? Why dread? Got to do this again. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. I mean, I really love you people, but holy cow, sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'll be honest, I say things to Jesus like, this is tough, you know? Dread's a hard word, though. I don't use dread yet. Neglected, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So they've spotted us. They're running ahead. We're hungry. I'm thinking about the disciples not signing up for this. Like, 
they were following Jesus on a whim almost by the Spirit. But like that that's not what they do is being around thousands of people in, in their midst. I guess that would be running through my head. That's not this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> Anybody else feel that way about discipleship? This is not what I signed up for at youth camp on a Thursday night. <laughs> I thought I was just going to speak in tongues all my life. I had no idea I'd have to like practice self-denial or something. Hey, good morning. So, yeah, this isn't what I signed up for. And when he went ashore, this is verse 34, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So what, what do you feel like if you look over and you see Jesus being with a look of compassion on his face? First, let's identify what does compassion look like on somebody's face? A softening. Yeah, that's a good word. Kind eyes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gentleness, yeah. Hello. I got time for you. Oh my gosh, that's a good way to say it. I got time for you. Okay. So they're kind of surprised. Yeah, that's a that's interesting. From their leader. Yeah. Right, right. Like a religious leader. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember the word compassion in the Greek is splachnitsomai. Can you say that? Splachnitsomai. <laughs> like in your study Bibles, there'll be like a little asterisk there that says like at the bottom, from splunkna, meaning guts, bowels, or entrails. Like, what the heck is he talking about? The idea is that in the Hebrew world, emotions, they don't say things like, oh, I love you with all my heart. I mean, occasionally you'll see the word heart used in that way in the Old Testament, but like your deepest emotions actually come from your bowels, your guts. This is where the deepest emotions come from, deep within you. Like the deepest feelings of hatred come out of there. The deepest feelings of love come from deep inside you. So this is what Jesus is feeling. He's feeling compassion. His gut is literally wrenched. And so he has this compassionate look on his face, softening. So back to us, the hangry disciples. <laughs> When you look at Jesus' face and you see him compassionate, what does that do to you in that moment? We're going to be here a while. Get comfy. Yeah. What is it? Anticipation. Yep. Convicted. Yeah, me too. Totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an arresting kind of moment. You're like, oh, I'm off here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he looks at them, has compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Okay, Mark likes to use this word many. And when he says many, he's talking about like 15,000 people here. Right? 5,000 men tend to stand for men and their families, essentially, is how they just use the language in the day. So when he begins to teach them many things, this is not a speedy experience. He's going to teach them many things. So they're talking. And here we show up again, verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him. Here we come. And we say what? This is a desolate place, so we got to the empty spot, but it's filled with people. <laughs> and the hour's now late. It's getting, we're running out of time here, Jesus. The sun's about to go down. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. So we're interrupting Jesus in the middle of teaching. While he's teaching, the Son of God teaching 15,000 people, and we interrupt Jesus. Jesus. Have you ever interrupted Jesus? And then we come up with this like suggestion. Jesus, these thousands of people have got to be hungry. Do you think we're actually worried about all these other people? We're the ones that miss lunch. Like it's easy, right, to see what they're doing here. Let's get these people on. I mean, they've got to be starving, Jesus. Us? No, no. We're fasting today. We're fine. (laughs) Send them away. You know, Jesus doesn't take them up on their offer to send people away. Jesus is so disinterested in sending people away. So he answered them, will you give them something to eat? What would you say if he looks you right in the face and says, all right, since you're so concerned about all these people getting something to eat. Do it. Take care of them. Feed them, will you? How do you feel? He puts you back on your heels. Like he's joking, like playing around. Yeah. Like you've got to be kidding. Shame? Like, oh, I've interrupted Jesus. Okay. And they said to him, they respond. Um, scholars tend to agree on this one that this is this is a moment of sarcasm that they we kind of <laughs> pop off at Jesus. 
well, should we send them, should we, should we go and buy 200 denarii? That's roughly a, a year's wages. Should we empty the bank? Worth of bread and give them to eat, give, to, to give to them to eat? You want us to break the bank, Jesus? Really? And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. <laughs> so Andrew is the disciple, or uh, sorry, Philip is the disciple that uh, went and found the fish. And they get that little boy's lunch. <laughs> There's 5,000 families and this is all the food that's around? <laughs> oh, gosh. If you're walking up with Philip and you've got the five and two, what do you think? Yeah, your boss isn't here t today, right? <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah, justified in that way. Like, see, what were we doing here? Yeah, I think I would feel that way too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess none of us are eating. Or at least I'm eating. Or at least I'm, you're going to eat that kid's lunch. <laughs> and then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So we've got to like organize thousands of people right now. Sit everybody down. And groups the green on the green grass, and so they sat them down in groups by fifties and hundreds. So Jesus wants his banquet, his outdoor banquet, like completely organized. Sit them down. No, I want them like organized by like last name, A through F over here, whatever. Right? How long would that take? I mean, seriously. On a hillside in the desert? I mean, getting my family to the dinner table at just the four of us. Dempsey, our dog, makes it on time <laughs> consistently. Everybody else? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take it out on you right here, babe, but holy cow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. It would take forever to sit these people down, Yeah. Fifties and hundreds, and taking the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus looked up. Jews don't tend to look up. You bow your head when you pray, but Jesus looks up into heaven, and he says a blessing. So now we have in the beginning of the gospel, you remember, Jesus is baptized, and the Father speaks, this is my beloved, and now we see Jesus looking up to his Father, like it's a symbol of equality. It's a symbol of family. Jesus is going to look straight into the face of God. 
because he belongs. He's the beloved. So he looks up and he says a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. So here you are now, one of the 13 on this day. Uh, you're a waiter. Anybody here actually waited tables? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, look at all. Good. God bless all of you. I've done that job. It can be a very hard job, to say the least. A tiring one. So they're feeding 5,000 people. 5,000 families are there. What do you think, the, like, what do you hear in all of this? What can you hear with your ears? Is anybody talking during this experience? What kind of questions would, would you get if you walk up and you've got food for starving people? What kind of questions would you hear? Where did you get this? <laughs> totally. Don't take too much. Yeah. Got anything else? You, you, got, you got any aioli? <laughs> you got lemons? Yeah. And it's fish and bread. Mm. No, I am thinking. I was texting one of my buddies last night, Ellen, about uh, the Feast of Seven Fishes. What else? Where are you getting this? Ration it out. Totally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm so stoked to see Chosen season three because I saw a, a, a whatever the trailer the other day and it shows this scene and you can see the disciples are like, and there's just thousands of people. You're like, no. I wish that was out. <laughs> and he set them for all the people, and they divide, and he divided the two fish and the loaves among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Everyone's happy. Thousands of hungry people are now full. <laughs> Except us. We've been waiting tables. You ever go to the grocery store hungry? <laughs> you just buy everything? <laughs> so we've been waiting tables. Everyone was satisfied, and now Jesus says, go pick up the leftovers. So now you have to bust tables. Okay. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces. And the fish. There's one basket for each disciple. It's almost like he did the miracle at the expense of the crowd for the sake of his own disciples. You get a whole basket. And these baskets, it's the same word. You remember when St. Paul gets like lowered over the wall in the book of Acts? And he gets in a basket. It's that same, like, it's a, it's a thing. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. 
So, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Where were they sitting again? On the green grass. And what was he? He was like a shepherd. He looked on them with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like this whole scene, it's a re-dramatization of Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Leaves me beside still water. For his name's sake. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Ezekiel chapter 37, there's this amazing scene where Yahweh is correcting the shepherds of Israel. They were all like neglecting the sheep. And people are getting scattered. And so God rebukes the crooked shepherds, the spiritual abusers of their day, because that's exactly what they were. And he says, I will come down and I will be their shepherd. And so to announce the good news again today sounds like this. That Jesus' compassion did not dead end on that hillside in the desert. Jesus' compassion drove him throughout his ministry toward people in need, accomplishing the will of God. And his compassion is what ultimately drove him to say something like, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. That Jesus did not merely feed people with fish, and bread. But as the good shepherd, Jesus lays down his life for his people out of gut-wrenching compassion on you and me. Jesus is the good shepherd. And because he is the good shepherd, he gave us the memorial of communion that we take week by week as the children of God that we remember that Jesus gave his life for us. That's good news.